Hi there, my name is Sam Sheen, and welcome back to Captivated Audience, a podcast I co-host with my friend and professional colleague, Marilyn Berg. And this is the fourth and final part of our series, where we review the European Banking Authority's opinion on the types of financial crime risks that the European Union is exposed to and the measures they suggest need to be taken in order to address them. In this final part of our series, we are going to look at remote onboarding. And for those of you who are of my vintage, the old term used to be establishing a business relationship. Well, arising out of concerns related to the pandemic itself, there's some interesting proposals as to how businesses should be onboarding customers when they are not face-to-face. And last but not least, The UK's departure from the European Union, yes, has been identified as a potential financial crime risk first in 2019. So let's find out what the European AML regulators have to say about it now in 2021. We hope you've enjoyed the last three parts of this series. So let's dive into our final part of the series. So I guess the last thing I'll say is that the EBA plans to deliver guidelines on the key elements to remote customer onboarding, Marie, and reliance on CDD processes that they have third parties carry out for them by the end of this year. So we are going further than the 2018 opinion. They're now going to give us guidelines on what customer remote onboarding will look like. Wow. I think that for certain jurisdictions, that's going to be a real eye-opener. And in some jurisdictions, I'm just going to lay back and, and, and watch and see what they're actually you know, going to issue in those guidelines, because that's going to be quite interesting, because there is a lot of jurisdictions already using remote customer onboarding, using the e-ideas, and using all the CDD processes as automatically as possible in, the, in, in this day of age. And I think people need to be aware that an opinion is just that. It's, it's an opinion like it's a strong opinion. suggestion, right? Mm. Uh, that, but that's different from a guideline. And some member states will adopt guidelines verbatim as they are, and they will use them as the standard against which to judge how well a firm is operationalizing the AML regulations. And others may use it as a means to judge how bad non-compliance was with AML regulations. So they view this as we have given you a strong indication how we expect you to behave. So for fintechs and other businesses who already have stood up remote onboarding programs, this is definitely a guideline they should keep their eye out for. I agree. But also what's going to be quite interesting, again, coming back to what you said about the different jurisdictions, if you have a multinational financial institution in this case, be aware of that the legal certainty in this case might be different from whatever jurisdictions you operate in. So in this case, it comes back to the companies or their financial institutions, you know, risk appetite in this case, and to make sure that you implement that kind of guidelines coherent within your organization. Absolutely. And let's just see what happens because, you know, for fintechs, onboarding is one of the most competitive elements of their businesses. It's all about delighting our customers and making sure that their experience and access to services is as bumpy-less as possible, as they say. I agreed. Again, the need for speed. Well, Sam, before I let you off the hook for this podcast, I have to ask, I need to mention that dreaded word, Brexit. Can you tell us a little bit? Yeah, I know. But can you tell us a little bit about what the EBA have to say about that? Because, you know, everyone was worried what that would actually mean once the UK, you know, were out of the building, so to speak. Well, you know, the risks or the perceived risks 
that people thought would arise when the UK left the EU were documented in the joint opinion in 2019. And at the time, the thing that regulators across the EU were mainly concerned about was the number of financial institutions who would relocate from the UK to other member states, right, for passporting purposes. So a number of the regulators, especially those that have actually seen that relocation take place, um, what they've talked about is they've seen increased and emerging risks, mainly in the sectors for investment, um, banking, payment businesses, and e-money institutions. So the regulators have highlighted concerns in relation to UK firms establishing themselves in the EU, but really focusing most of their operations mainly in the UK. So basically, they're sort of setting up sort of a, a front business or they have a light touch presence in a member state, but they're really operating out of the UK. And so the EU regulators are understandably concerned that that's going to make their ability to supervise them for AML purposes more difficult. Interestingly, though, a large number of regulators since 2019 have not raised any additional concerns, and there has been no increase in their risk perception around any of these areas that were first raised in 2019. Isn't that odd? While that has been the case, they haven't actually said and just come straight out and said, so our concerns didn't come true. Instead, they've said, since the first of this year, first of Jan, UK has become a third country for AML purposes, and that a new agreement or a new partnership that sets out the terms of the UK's trade with the EU was extended in December 2020, but it doesn't extend to financial markets. And I sort of went, I'm not sure what exactly this means, but here's, here's the warning. In March of 2019, when discussions concerning the withdrawal bill was held within the European Commission, a number of concerns were raised as regards what would happen with the UK. And that included some extreme suggestions that if it amended its AML activities such that to become more competitive, it would lower its standards, there was a risk that the UK would be added to the high-risk third country list. Now, that hasn't actually come to fruition, but you may have heard in the news the other day that the UK has announced the establishment or approval of eight free trade ports, similar to the ones you see in Switzerland where art is stored and so forth. And this is the very thing that the EU was concerned about. So there is a review underway in the UK concerning its AML regulatory framework and what potential changes might be involved going forward. Now, remember, the UK did, in fact, transpose the 5 AMLD. Doesn't sound like that's quite the end of the story yet. So watch this space. So there will be more to come. We will have an interesting 2021, that's for sure. And that concludes our four-part series on the EBA's opinion on financial crime risks facing the EU. If you'd like to comment on any of these episodes or send us some suggestions for future podcasts, feel free to reach out on our website, captivatedaudience.eu, or you can also drop us a line directly on LinkedIn. Look out for our upcoming episodes where we'll be looking at the European risk factor guidelines, some recent updates on sanction cases, and just some other curiosities around the financial crime prevention community. Until then, have a great day and stay safe. <laughs>